and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor at Horse and Hound. Well, it's been a momentous and sad week in Britain following the death of the Queen last Thursday and we've marked Her Majesty's passing in this week's magazine, paying tribute to everything that she gave the horse world throughout her reign. In this week's podcast, we look forward to the upcoming World Championships, starting with an interview with Jeanette Breakwell, who had her first championship experience with the Great Over to You in 1998 at the venue which is also being used for this World Championships, Protoni del Vivaro. I do remember walking the course, scratching my head a bit and still not really clear about how I was going to jump it. And I think I was just a little bit uh, overawed by the whole occasion. We'll then take a look at the field for this week's competition, the British squad and their main competitors and their chances for the podium. So we've got a lot to cover. Buckle up that throat lash and let's get going. I'm delighted to welcome our guest on this week's podcast, Jeanette Breakwell. Jeanette is the winner of eight championship medals, including two Olympic team silvers and an individual world silver, all with the great over to you. Hi, Jeanette. Welcome to the Horse and Ham podcast. Uh, hi there. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's great to have you on. And by the time this is released, it's going to be the week of the World Championships in Protoni. So I wanted particularly to talk to you about your own World Championships experience at that venue in Italy, which was back in 1998. And it was your very first championship with Over to You. Could you start, Jeanette, by telling us a little about the build-up? I think you went to your first badminton that spring. How did that go? Um I actually don't remember that first year at badminton that well. I mean, it must have gone well because we, we finished 16th, but the following year was uh, the one I really remember and it, and it was really quite wet. And how I'd sort of planned to walk the course uh, was in the end not how I rode it because it was that the evening before that we had loads of rain uh, and having watched a lot of people go around struggling in the wet. I'd uh, sort of uh, naively only walked the routes I wanted to ride and then had to suddenly sit down in the in the 10 minute box with um, John Bowen who was helping me at the time and just go have the program or the catalog in front of us looking at the the course because it was all there in drawn on the on the pages and just drawing lines and seeing where to go best uh, but, uh, anyway luckily um all went to plan uh, Jack went really really well and uh, that uh, that secured our um of place on the on the on the long list initially yeah that second year at badminton you actually finished ninth after that uh, great cross country round in the wet but the previous year 98 coming back towards your very first championship do you remember getting the call to say that you were going to be on the squad was that a big moment uh, yes it was um obviously um you know my aim since i was eight i suppose was to a go to badminton and all the olympics and represent my country and I think it would have been Giles Rousel that um, that would have rung at the time and said that uh, I was uh, on the long list. Um, and I think I think we then went, um, we did our final trial at Hembury, I think it was that year. And um, yeah, he went really well there. And um, yeah, we were put on the squad. And, and then heading out to Protoni, what do you remember about sort of arriving at the venue and your first impressions of, of that place? Um, well, I do remember it was a long drive. I think we took three lorries down there and I um, I did some of the driving. Um, I think we travelled in Nigel Taylor's lorry. Uh, I did some of the driving. I remember driving through the Mont Blanc tunnel 
and, uh, you know, stopping at various venues on the way, getting the horses off to have them exercised and, uh, you know, just keep them as well prepared as possible. And I think I remember arriving there and it was, it was really quite, um, it was a hilly area. And, uh, <laughs> Also on the, I know I shouldn't really say this, but on the way to to the event, there was sort of um, various mattresses dotted around the place off the road, and I was I was sort of a bit curious. And then one of the guys mentioned that it was a it was a very favourable place for the for the men, as it were. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll gloss over that. But uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was uh, really interesting, and um, yeah, got there, and it was it's a fabulous place, and I'm sure that it's probably changed a lot since, but. Um, yeah, they put on a really good show. And I think that the one thing that probably hasn't changed there is the terrain. And I think that that's probably a pretty big factor at Pretoni. I haven't been there myself yet, but uh, I think that's... Oh, haven't always... you? No, not yet. But I think that's, that's a big surprised. feature of the cross country, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, re- it's really quite hilly. Um, it's a, I think it was probably about halfway around the course. They usually have a fence right at the top of this hill and then running down to some major question at the at the bottom of the hill. I do remember watching, um, I can't remember if it was the Europeans or the Worlds since then, and uh, Daisy, Daisy Dick, Daisy Barkley was on Spring Along, and I remember her jumping that fence at the top of the hill and coming down to this skinny, I think it was target fence at the bottom, and she absolutely nailed it. But, you know, they always put really tough question there. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a, a World Question Games. It's going to be a... World Championship, it's going to be a tough course. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was in 2007 that the Europeans ran there. And I remember Daisy as well as the yeah. uh, the pathfinder for the British team. Yeah, heading down to that target fence. I think they call it the slide, don't they? That steep it's, hill. Yes, it is. It is very, very, very steep. Oh, well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that for myself <laughs> and seeing what uh, Giuseppe Glacieza, the course designer, puts there this time. And you rode as an individual at that championship. Yeah. Tell us, how did over to you go? He was really, really good. I didn't ride as well as I should have done. Uh, I know there was one fence which, um, again, it was at the top of a slope where we had to pop off a drop, and then it was like it was a wave type fence, so you could kind of pick and choose where you were going to either jump at the point or the dip of the fence. And I do remember walking the course, scratching my head a bit, and still not really clear about how how I was going to jump it. And, you know, I, I jumped it and just kind of froze a bit and said, you know, over to you, Jack. And I think I just put him in a completely difficult position. And I think that's one of his very few uh, faults, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it was my fault. Um, you know, I, I know, I think I was just a little bit uh, overawed by the whole occasion. Yeah, and presumably, but presumably you learned a huge amount from that whole experience and week oh, that you yeah. were able to then take forward. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, de- definitely. And, you know, going forwards, I sort of um, proved that uh, we could do it. Yeah, of course. And you became sort of real regular fixtures on the British squad after that and competed at every championship from that year until 2005. Let's hone in on your other world championship. It was in 2002 in Jerez de la Frontera in Spain. It was Jack's sort of moment of moments taking home the individual silver medal. I feel like I might have just given away the story, but I'm sure most people (laughs) will know it. Um, But we would love to sort of relive that with you. Let's talk about each stage of that competition. The dressage festival, that was never Jack's favourite phase, was it? Uh, No, I mean, he's not the best uh, built for the dressage. And he's a horse that takes a very 
light contact and it, you know, it was never really down the end of the rain. And I, I know if I'd, if I knew then what I know now, I would probably have ridden him a lot better, but you know, that's just age, time and experience that, um, has sort of given me that understanding. But, you know, he wasn't the easiest to, to wagon around the test. He was, he could do all the movements, but he was just always a little bit behind the bridle, very light in the rain, so you could never really get a real true connection. But, you know, that sort of went in his favour when it came to the cross country uh, because he was so light and energetic. He just sort of sprung around the course. Um, but, no, I think he did one of his best tests to, to date then, or one of his best scores of his lifetime and then the the cross country I mean it, it walked tough but not as tough as it actually rode I don't think um and the ground was it was pretty firm you know they, they'd watered it a lot um so it looked really green but it was pretty firm underneath um and I think being early to go and you know had a really really good ride I do remember that the horse jump earlier on on the course where you had that little log at the top and then a really steep slope into the water and then turning to jump on the on the island and I can't remember if it was a bounce or a stride over something and then again back into the water and it just all came so thick and fast and I, I just basically rode by the seat of my pants really and you know Jack went really well I think he was inside the time and I just didn't realise the sort of carnage that was going to happen afterwards and I was just so relieved to have got it out of the way and done with and could just watch and support and um, help everybody else through the rest of the day. Mm. And you moved up to sixth going into the show jumping after that cross country yeah. performance, had one fence down um, and then obviously just kept moving up. How After your jumped, where were you standing watching and how did it feel sort of seeing yourself rise like that? Well, I was, I think I was stood near the exit and I remember Kenneth Clawson was there with me and I think I, I was stood watching but not too close. Uh, I was just sort of stood back a bit and Kenneth was running to the front saying, oh, they've had a rail come running back. You've moved up, moved up a pledge and then went back for the next one and kept running back and forth and, and then, you know, he comes back, you've got a bronze medal. I was thinking, oh, my God, and then came back and, you know, so you'd won this because all those horses that were ahead of me were really good really good jumpers um I can't remember Pierre Pantsu I can't remember the horse's name but you know that nearly always jumped clear and I think she had um two rails down um and then obviously John Chancellor jumped a fabulous round and uh and won the won the gold medal but uh yeah it was just Jack's moment at that that year yeah, of course, Finland's Pia Pantsu and her uh, her lovely horse, Yapaja Caruso, who ended up winning that individual bronze medal behind you, Jeanette. But it must have meant so much to you because you had been such reliable team members all those years to suddenly have an individual medal. It must have been really special. Yeah, no, it was, absolutely. You know, and, and having sort of been part of a team and always the pathfinder and earlier to go in the dressage, yeah, it, it, it Jack just got what he, what he deserved and what he'd... Um, you know, worked hard for what we both worked hard for, really. And I think it was that year in the spring that we actually had a fall at, at badminton, uh, which was quite late on in the course. So, uh, yes, the selectors forgave me that and uh, uh, believed in me, shall I say. Yeah, well, after your great team record in the previous years, may, I wonder how hard a decision that was. But, of course, we'll never know. But it but it all came together. Yeah. Um, 
Jeanette, tell us a little more about 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 Jack generally. He's such a such a, a well loved horse in British team history. You first started riding him sort of to the towards the end of his four year old year, I think. Yeah. What was he like then as a young horse? Oh, well, he I mean he was very very weak, very weedy. You know, he was no more than sixteen hands, and being full thoroughbred, he was he was pretty light framed. But you know, he got plenty of bone. Um, for his frame and really good feet and good limbs. Um, but, you know, it was just that slightly sort of teapot shape, high in the neck, a little bit low in the back, but uh, very athletic mover. You know, everything everything works through his body, um, you know, and that came through in his in his jumping. He was just a, he was just a real athlete. Um, you know, and I think as a, might have been a four-year-old, I think Jonty originally sort of did some, Jonty Evans did some work with Jack because uh, he was owned by the lady who he worked for at the time. And he did some uh, Burley Young event horse qualifiers and didn't even get in the top 10. So, but, you know, I think because he was just so, so weak, really. You know, and over the years, he with the work we'd done, he got stronger and his his scope was never really in doubt. And actually, it was quite scary to watch him over the smaller courses because he didn't put any effort in. It was only when it got to the big courses that he actually started to back off the fences and, and really use himself and show the proper scope that he had. Mm. And obviously you were quite young and inexperienced when he first came to you and had never ridden a horse that had competed at the top level. Did you have any idea that he would go on to become so successful? No, not not at all. Um, definitely not. Um, it probably wasn't till till he went round Bramham as an eight-year-old that I realised then what a good horse he could be. Mm. What was he like as a horse to to ride and train? What sort of character did he did he bring to to everything? He was quite a spooky horse. Um, I mean, hacking. He would quite often play with the traffic. He would just he would uh, attempt to kick cars occasionally if they came a bit fast or were a bit noisy. Um, you know, he was quite reactive. He hated dogs. He hated prams. And yeah, it, it would have been nice if there'd been no traffic and no people on the roads, but uh, he had to deal with it. But that that just sort of highlighted his um, the sharp side of him in that that he didn't miss anything. Um, so then he was he was just very, he was a very quick thinker. Mm. And out of all those incredible cross country rounds that you had on him at championships and at badminton, because uh, we shouldn't forget among all his championship records that he was also yeah. in the top sixteen at badminton seven times. Yes. Do you have a a sort of favourite round, a favourite memory? I think Sydney two thousand was a uh, one of the highlights. I, I, I don't know why. Well, obviously because my first Olympics, and you know you're travelling halfway around the world to get to the event. That was definitely. You know, first Olympics, that was definitely my, my highlight. And the way he popped, popped around that course. And I remember looking back over the footage and there was the, there was the jump in water. You went into the, jumped into the water and then you had a bank that you had to jump onto. And then it was a bounce off back into the water. And I remember thinking at the time, God, he did something a bit, bit weird at that fence. And he actually jumped on the onto the bank, took off in front, took a step forwards with a hind leg to get closer to the log, in, you know, whilst his shoulders were in the air, and then pushed off again into the water. <laughs> I mean, he was he was really clever. He did he did some amazing things where he thought, God, what what just happened there? How did that happen? Um, and to watch it back, I thought it was fabulous. 
Yeah, such a light-footed horse, I think, yeah. in the way that he could, yeah, move his body. And in his later years, did you feel a lot of pressure riding him because you had such a good record and so much was sort of expected of you? Um, no, I think once we'd finished our sort of championships, uh, which was at, at, at Blenheim in 2005, and then in, he, he was 18 the year after that. And actually, in his 18th year, um, he finished fourth, I think, at badminton. Um, but unfortunately, we weren't selected to go to the Worlds, which I think was in Germany that year. Um, I think probably due, due to his age, which um, I still thought, thought he had another championship in him and could have done really well. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then the following year, or the, that year, sorry, that he wasn't selected as an 18-year-old, that was his only run round Burley. Yeah, and he finished seventh there. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible that um, to, to go to Burley at eighteen on his oh, no. sort of <laughs> Burley debut and yes. uh, and, and show that he could uh, he could conquer that competition as well. It's just yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and, just... and considering it's so different to badminton. Yeah, exactly. That um, you know there are, there are some horses who do go well at both, but some are always going to favour one or the other. But it's yeah. amazing yeah, that yeah. he was. And obviously, at so many championships, he went to so many different venues and really excelled in a lot of different places as well. Yeah, no, he was a very clever horse. And he is, of course, still alive, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he is. He's uh, he's still being shod. Um, he still has his teeth done. He's still vaccinated. Um, you know, he's he's he looks his body looks old, but his eye is still quite young, and his face is still very young, and he's he's still a grumpy bugger. <laughs> And he is 34 years old. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That's a pretty grand age um, mm. to still be still be enjoying life and uh, still be... St and he's still at your yard, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he is. And, you know, sometimes when you go and get him in from the field, if he's being a bit giddy, you've just got to watch he doesn't try and kick you or put a, put a foot on your on your head and stuff like that. He's still, <laughs> he's still pretty... He's still pretty sharp when he gets a bit wound up. <laughs> Uh, oh well, I guess if he wasn't, you would maybe think uh, think think there was something yeah, wrong with him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And Jeanette, you're obviously still competing, still looking for a horse to to take you back to that top level yeah, of those yeah. giddy heights. And um, tell us about a couple of the horses that you've got in your yard that people should look out for now. And um, give us a couple to follow. Okay, well, I've got three very nice uh, five-year-olds which um, have co competed at the uh, Burley Young Event Horse Final. Uh, and I've also got um, a very nice six-year-old who's another thoroughbred called Swisky. He's six, yeah, sorry, so he's six years old and he's just, uh, he's moved up to novice level. He's done five, five or six novices now this year. He's very exciting. And then also I've just got a new horse which... Um, Lovely owner of mine, Sally Hayward's just bought. He's called Drum Given Mr. Charisma. So if Charisma's the name to go by, let's hope he lives up to up to him. Um, and he's done a couple of intermediates. I've just had a, a first run with him at, uh, at Lanny Manic and uh, he was great. He was double clear. So I'm, you know, just finding out about him. But he's a, a near thoroughbred horse too. Very tall horse, about 17 hands. Um, so I think those, those two are my sort of top horses at the minute um but i've got some very nice youngsters coming through and also a four-year-old which is actually she's out of the uh the mare i took around badminton and burley let's dance and she's by um jaguar mouse so she's exciting so we'll wait and see what she's got to do oh yeah i definitely remember seeing seeing les dance she's a lovely yes. mare 
yeah, yeah. Oh, great to have uh, to have some some progeny coming through from her. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jeanette. It's been lovely to chat about over to you and uh, about about all his championship experiences and and look back on those years. Thank you. Thank you very much. Throughout the year, Horse and Hound sends reporters out to all the biggest events in the equestrian calendar to cover the action for our weekly magazine and our website at horseandhound.co.uk. The coverage we bring you on these two platforms is different. The weekly magazine provides your comprehensive curated roundup. We reflect back on the big wins and analyse all the results with insight from our team and experts in the industry. Meanwhile, on our website, we bring you the news as it happens. We speak to the riders as they leave the arena and report their thoughts in lightning quick time, covering all the biggest stories as they unfold and often producing 10 or more stories every day online from a big show. The first five articles you read on our website are free each month and beyond that you need to buy a subscription. The cost of this reflects the fact that we need a bigger team at events when we are creating extra articles on our website and not only producing a magazine report. To buy a Horse and Hound website subscription, visit horseandhound.co.uk and click subscribe, or for great value, in the same place you can buy a combined magazine and website subscription. We know that magazine subscribers are our most loyal audience, and we really value your ongoing and vital contribution to our business. Therefore, if you are already a magazine subscriber, the cost to upgrade your subscription to include full website access is minimal. Call 0330 to find out more. So I'm joined now by my colleague Gemma Redrup and we are going to talk about the World Championships this week in Pretoni del Vivaro, have a look at the British squad and their main competitors and what's likely to happen. Gemma, are you excited for the Worlds? I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be really interesting and obviously we've had the test event there already and a previous world championships there so the place looks very interesting with its terrain and yeah really class build going out there yeah it's such a uh, such a historic venue for the sport having been used for the for the 1960 world championships for that world championships in in 1998 as uh, i was talking to Jeanette Brakewell about it on the interview earlier on this episode and of course the 2007 europeans a bit mm. more a bit more recently Let's kick off with the British squad. We will go alternately. So, uh, Gemma, you take one, I'll take one, and we'll just uh, give people a quick rundown on their form and what we're hoping and expecting from them. You go first, Gemma. Sure. I'll start with Laura Collette, um, who's taking London 52. Obviously, they don't really need much of an introduction. They are this year's badminton winners, and they, they were on the gold medal winning team in Tokyo last year as well. So, yeah, they are pretty much favourites, I would say, to, to win it um, individually, for sure. And, yeah, I'd, I'd say the team are definitely odds on favourite if there's such thing to win it as, as well. So, yeah, that's my first, the first of the, of the team. Yeah, so we then also have joining, Laura, we've got two other members of the British squad from the Olympics last year riding the same horses. So I'm going to take Oliver Town and Dimbalamore Class, the 15-year-old uh, grey gelding by Courage. And they have just unparalleled form. They're the most consistent five-star combination in the world, currently competing eight top five finishes from eight starts at five-star level, including two wins, Burley 2017 and Kentucky 2021. 
and finished fifth individually as part of that gold medal winning squad at at the Olympics last year. So uh, they're definitely also ones to watch individually, which is probably something we could say for every member of the British squad, isn't it, Gemma? I th- yeah, I think de- we definitely could say that it's it's a very strong squad. And yeah, an exciting one. Yeah, definitely. Go on then, give us another of the British uh, British squad. So Tom McKeown and Toledo de Cursa, I love this combination. They had a fall at Babington, but then they've since finished third um, at the four-star, the very competitive four-star in Arkin. Um, and yeah, individual silver medalists at last year's Olympic Games, as well as being on that gold medal winning team. So again, another another really exciting and, and possible they are possible podium finishers as well yeah and I have to say that I would probably expect Laura maybe to vie for the for the dressage lead with Michael Young and Fisher Chipmunk who we'll talk about a little later I'm sure when we talk about the Brits main competitors I would Mm. maybe expect Tom and Oliver to be slightly more leaderboard climbers Balamor class hasn't actually shown his best dressage test for a couple of years sort of the scores that he was getting a couple of years ago were stronger than he's been getting recently so it'll be really interesting to see what uh, what Oliver can conjure from him this week dressage has previously been a weak phase for Toledo de Cursa but he did such a stunning test at badminton so looked yeah. to be really on an upwards curve with that so it'll be interesting to see what uh, what both those riders can bring from those horses this week won't it yeah absolutely like say Tom did a lovely test at badminton he'd got a 23.4 so uh, you know, he, and a 26.4 in Arkansas. So looking forward to seeing if they've come on again. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the the other horse that uh, I'm going to take to talk about is Lordship's Graffalo, the youngest horse on the squad. He's just 10 years old, being ridden by Ros Cantor. He's the badminton runner-up, would have come to a lot of people's attention for the first time at badminton. But he does have super four-star form as well. He's uh, been in the top two at four-star six times now, which is extremely impressive. Uh, last season, he, he won two four-star shorts, was second in two four-star longs. So came into that. Babington is a green horse, but um, but but with really solid form. I thought it was interesting, Gemma, when we saw the horses do their the World Championship horses practice their dressage test at Burley a couple of weeks ago. That he was maybe a little greener than I expected and remembered in that environment, having done a twenty six at Babington. I think mm. I expected him to look a little more established. Maybe it'll be really interesting to see how how he comes out. And don't don't get me wrong, he did a, he did a good job in that practice test. Uh, I think yeah. it was just that sitting beside all those other so established horses, he he just suddenly looked uh, like a young horse again, and we forget that that he is only ten years old. And I think also at Burley, the crowd is a lot closer than they are at Babington, and where they sit in the main arena there. And because he is only ten, he's actually not probably been exposed to crowds like that ever really in his life in in terms of having to you know concentrate and do a dressage test so I think they'll be okay <laughs> I think he will too and he didn't do anything bad at Burley to no, be very clear no. he and Ros thought that he might be a little bit uh, a little bit funny in the atmosphere and she wasn't even necessarily planning to ride through the whole test but did because he settled down so mm. well so uh, hopefully he'll uh, he, he'll have grown up a little from that experience as well and your final one to talk about Gemma yeah so where uh, Ros's horse is the youngest horse uh this is the youngest rider Yaz Ingham she is 25 years years old and she rides fantastic um gelding banzai de loire they were runners up at, at the five star in kentucky this spring and really just have been on a massive upward curve um since their partnership began a few years ago i went to see yaz a few weeks ago at her yard and she rode him and i he's just the most 
I think, amazing athlete I've ever seen um, as a horse in my life. He's amazing. So I'm really excited for her and she definitely deserves to, to have the opportunity to go. Yeah, making her senior squad debut, really exciting for Yaz and uh, we'll look forward to seeing her there. It's worth pointing out that Gemma and I are recording on Monday before I fly to Pretoria on Tuesday and we don't know at this stage who's going to be the individual in that British squad of five. There will be four of them riding on the team. My hunch is that it will probably be Yaz just because she is so inexperienced. I think, mm-hmm. it'll, I think it'll either be Yaz or Ros Canter and I think they'll want Ros's experience as a rider in the team and uh, let Yaz ride without that pressure for her first senior championship do you think the same Gemma yeah no I do completely agree yeah well we probably won't know until after the trot up on uh, on Wednesday that for sure so uh, by the time you listen to this you may be able to laugh and tell uh, tell Gemma and I that we were wrong but uh, Mm. (laughs) we will see let's talk about the Brits main contenders give us a team that we should be looking out for Gemma Um, Germany uh, would be my pick for being the ones that are going to be the biggest threat to the British team They've got Julia Kresge and Amanda de Beneville, uh, excuse my French. They are individual Olympic champions at the moment, reigning Olympic champions. Um, we've also got Michael Young and Fisher Chipmunk, FRH. Now, he, a lot of people have said that he would be Laura's, Laura Collette's probably main competitor in terms of trying to win it individually. I actually think Julia Kresge is. Um, if you go... On to Fisher Chipmunk's FEI record. His most latest out, his latest outing was a show jumping outing in Germany at a German show, and he had twenty faults and twenty three faults in his two rounds there, around one meter twenty and one meter twenty five respectively. Now, this horse has got an amazing record, but I just found that quite interesting. I don't know if they were trying something different, maybe with the horse. I don't know, but I was sort of went to look back at his record recently and thought, oh. 20 and 23 volts and he was basically last in both of those classes so out of 60 odd starters so anyway I found that quite interesting and then Sandra Affarth as well she's German rider on Viermont de Matz that horse won the four star long at Protoni last year so has course form basically um, and is a fast horse so it'll be interesting that's really interesting that you've, that you've uh, found that on Michael's record, Gemma. Yeah. That's a good sleuthing. Well done. I'm giving you, <laughs> I giving you kudos. I felt guilty. <laughs> <laughs> like oh. I shouldn't have found it. I don't know. But yeah, we <laughs> well we'll see it'll be an interesting we'll interesting Sunday uh, with that in mind he did of course yeah. jump clear when he won the uh, the five star at uh, Kentucky in the spring yeah I'm just looking at uh, Julia's record as well the demand to Berneville they've had very solid form since that Olympic yeah. win it hasn't been super eye-catching they did win a four-star short in Wiesbaden uh, in the summer this year I think they'd need to see their dressage score come down a little bit again they've been a bit more yeah. high 20s than low 20s um, I think I think it will be interesting as I've said about terrain at Protoni and how I think I think that is going to affect people here. Um, and so having, you know, whether the blood types, I don't know whether they come to the fore, them needing to be a bit nippy and obviously very good jumpers. It will be, it will be interesting to see all I'm thinking about. My lasting memory of Protoni is, like you said, in 2007, they had a championships there, Pippa. Do you remember those target fences going down the hill? And that just stuck with me about the terrain 
so yeah we shall see yeah no I do remember those target fences yeah. for sure and I think that Protoni slide is pretty famous and we'll definitely be seeing it in the course in one manifestation or the other and mm. and there's so many ways eventing can play out aren't there we don't mm -hmm. know whether having a great dress score is going to be important to whether in fact if you're five six marks behind the leaders actually everyone has at least five timefuls so it doesn't really matter so yeah it will be really exciting to see and the Germans definitely fielding a really strong squad with the those three and Christoph Wahler, um, yeah. that fourth team member. He's done well at a couple of Europeans as an individual, but makes his team debut here. He had a not great time show jumping at badminton. So if they need his score, he'll want to uh, want to, to jump better on the final day for sure as well. Yeah. And then the final member of their squad is Alina Dabowski, which is Andreas Dabowski's daughter, which makes me feel very old. Also making her senior championship debut on Barbados 26. Yeah, she's just 21, daughter of oh. the Olympic team gold medalist, Andreas <laughs> Dabowski. But they have already said that for sure Alina is going to be the individual on their squad. Yeah. So unless anything happens sort of in transit or at the vet inspection, that is what we are expecting from the Germans. How about you, Pippa? Have you got another oh. team and Mind. I do. I've got two who I think okay. are are up there as well, sort of just behind Germany and Britain. And that is Australia and the USA. Australia, okay. obviously the team silver medalist at the Olympics last year. And it's the same sort of core trio, Andrew Hoy and Vasily de Lassos, Kevin McNabb and Scuderia in 1918, Donkey Dam and Shane Rose of Virgil. Obviously mm -hmm. a couple of other riders joining the squad as well. I think they're strong. I don't necessarily expect them to lead the dressage, but you know, they, they climbed the leaderboard in Tokyo and could do the same. Um, yeah. The US haven't won a major championship team medal since 2004, as in Olympic Crikey. World. Yeah, it's a long time, isn't it? But I do yeah. feel quite hopeful about this US squad. I think that um, Tammy Smith has the potential to do a really super dressage test and that could give them a good boost at the beginning. Um, they've got the experience of, of Boyd Martin and sets the leg. Mm -hmm. I think that um, Ariel Grault and Lermore Masterplan are a very solid, reliable pair. Yeah. Um, and and obviously a couple of other riders in that squad as well. So, yeah, I think um, I, I do think they could they could be challengers this time. Do you think so? Yeah, no, I I think they could. Like you say, I know you're you're a big Mybaum fan, um, Pippa and Tammy Smith as well. Yeah, they could definitely give give them a good leg up in terms of a, a, a score after the first phase, like you said. And yeah, and like Vermiculus and Lauren Nicholson, you know, they're a combination that have been around at the top level for years and then Will Coleman and off the record they're more than capable of posting a good result as well so yeah I'd say it's a quite a strong team good mix of solid solid yeah. combinations and exciting combinations in that squad so sure. we will look forward to seeing if the US can do something there give us another team that we should uh, should keep an eye on Gemma Yes, I think another team worth mentioning would be the Swiss um, they've obviously got Andrew Nicholson as their team coach now and some of their riders have actually had really good results. Felix Fogg and Cartania and Robin Godel as well, who's on Grandeur de Lully. They've both had solid four-star results between them and top 10 results as well. So they could definitely help the Swiss's chance as a bit of an out, you know, an outsider-ish team or a team that could be third or fourth, I would say they're worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, definitely. It's really interesting to see that Felix is riding Cartania, not mm. Colero, who was his uh, his Lemoulin earlier in the year. So not sure of the reasoning behind that decision, but it's interesting. And as you say, Andrew Nicholson is now their cross-country coach. So yeah. they've definitely got some really good help in, in that phase, as, as well as in the other phases from different trainers too. They are interesting ones to look out for. I'm going to mention France. Um, okay. 
just you can never really discount them, can you? It's quite a new no. look squad. Nicholas Two's out in absolute gold. HDC are the only members of to the Tokyo bronze medal winning team coming forward this time. Um, we've got a, a, a British-based French rider in the squad in Gaspard Maxoud with mm -hmm. Zaragoza. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how they fare. I mean, when I say it's new look, it's not really that new look. We've still got Tom Carlyle, Nicholas. We've got Astia Nicholas as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I think you should never discount France. I wanted just to also give a quick mention to the Irish they have had a bit of bad luck already in the build-up insofar as Joseph Murphy and the lovely grey horse Cal Morrow, who was really impressive when he finished ninth at Kentucky this year and fourth at Arkan, um, have had to withdraw. Joseph's horse has had a setback in training. He's a young horse, they said. He's had a, this was a statement from the acting high performance director for Irish eventing, Dag Albert, and he said, uh, he's a young horse, has had an outstanding year and we will save him for future championships. And in reserve, they bring in instead Felicity Ward and Regal Bounty. They were 15th at their first five-star, La Moulin, in June. So big chance there for Felicity to join the squad alongside Susie Berry and Mombag by Design, Porrig McCarthy and Falula, Austin O'Connor and Colorado Blue, and Sam Watson with SAP Talisman. So I think they will they will miss Joseph and that that good jumping grey horse Calmaro. But um you know they go there as the the world team and individual silver medalists from the last world championships four years ago so uh, a, a team you shouldn't discount and i don't think we should discount new zealand either should we no you're right they've they've got um the amazing experience of both tim and janelle price who are riding falco mclaren respectively and then um, Amanda Pottinger, and just kidding, who blitzed around Babington this spring. And and then Monica Spencer, who I'll be honest, I know less about, and Clark Johnson on Menlo Park. So, again, you just can't discount them. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, Sweden and Japan are also teens, so it's worth uh, worth keeping yeah. a, a bit of an eye on. I do think, you know, for me, Britain, Britain, Germany are out ahead, and then maybe Australia and, uh, and the US. But I think that there are sort of, 10 teams who could challenge for a medal out of the teams who are there. Yeah. So we should just touch on the format, Gemma, as well, because this is not like the Olympics, is it, last year when things went a bit crazy and we all had to get our heads around three to the team oh, yeah. the possibility for substitutions. This is all going to be a lot more familiar, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It sort of takes the more, um, the format that we're definitely more accustomed to, which makes me happy because I understand it a lot better. So um, a team... Uh, the, the, or a country can take out a maximum of five horse, horses and riders, uh, horse and rider combinations, and um, then you have a team of four and one individual combination. You from the team you take the three best scores, three best scoring combinations to count from the entire competition. So, like you say, it's much more. Well, it's basically what we used to, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Teams of three or four, three to count. And uh, for example, the Austrians only have three three riders there, so all three of theirs have to count. But uh, generally speaking, we're talking teams of four, three to count, and, and a very traditional three-day event format as well, with dressage on Thursday, Friday, cross-country on Saturday, show jumping on Sunday, just one round of show jumping again, different to the Olympics, and all the medals sort of being decided on that one round of show jumping. So uh, it, we'll all, I think, be, be pretty at home with the format, at least after last year. I think it's predictions time, Gemma. Okay. I think we've each got to predict a team and individual podium, but I am going to say that we can pick the same teams and the same individuals if we want to <laughs> on this occasion, since it's just the two of us and I don't think people will get bored if we no. do that. <laughs> so my gold, silver, bronze individual podium is going to be Laura Collette, Michael Young, and then Julia Kraski as my top three. And then my team will be Britain, Germany, 
and I'll I will I'm gonna put my neck on the line and say Switzerland for bronze. Let's have let's let's see what happens. How about you? I'm actually predicting the same in uh, in gold and silver in both team and individual. So teams: yeah. Britain, Germany, and bronze medal to Australia. Yeah, and individual: Laura Collett in gold, Michael Young in silver, and Tom McEwen in Toledo to curse it in bronze. But to be honest, I yeah. was tossing up between all of the Brits for that bronze medal slot when I was trying to decide. <laughs> yeah, I I mean it was like someone asking you to pick your favourite child, <laughs> isn't it? Because you want all of them. Um, because they are definitely all capable of, of, you know, being on the podium. So we shall see. I've had to choose. We've both had to choose. So I'll have to just go with that. <laughs> yep. Well, we'll see what happens and uh, whether Gemma and I are correct listeners. But uh, hopefully you will enjoy reading all our coverage on the Horse and Hound website this week. And uh, of course, we'll we'll be back and, uh, and, uh, and review the championships next week on the podcast as well. Well, thank you for joining me today, Gemma. No, thanks very much for having me. It's been fun. Well, by the time you listen to this, it'll be just a few days before you know whether Gemma and I were correct in our predictions or, uh, or a long way off. And I hope that you enjoy following the world. And of course, it's also Blenheim Horse Trials this week. So we'll have coverage of that too. And we'll be back next week to review the World Championships and touch on Blenheim as well. Talk to you then. The Horse and Hound podcast is a Media Cage production.